My name is Will, and I'm the pastor, and I want you to know that it's such a joy to be with you in worship today. The sun is shining here in Oak Ridge, and I give God thanks for that. Thanks for joining us for worship. If you're joining us online, I want to say a special word of welcome. If throughout the service, you'll find links and such that you, can, uh, that you can participate in worship with. So right now, I want to offer a word of prayer as we continue to worship God this day. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, and more than that, you have welcomed each one here. And so this day, oh God, I pray that, that you will bless the lives of all who worship. That for those who are online, that, that you, will, you will come into their home or wherever they are joining in worship, and that you will bless their home, their bodies, with your renewing and life-giving love. May they feel connected to your Holy Spirit and to Kern Church as if they were here in person. And I pray also for each one who is worshiping you in person today, O oh God. I pray that you bless them in powerful ways, that you bring us to your presence so that we may worship you and that you may be blessed. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The past three weeks here at Kern Church, we have been talking about money. And uh, for, for three weeks, we've been talking about the role of money in your life and, and, really, and really what God wants for you. And I have to tell you, I think I'm glad that we've been talking about money because usually it's money that's doing the talking, that's telling you the things about itself, that's telling you the things that, that it wants you to do in life. Money is, is usually the one saying, you know, chase me, spin me, hoard me, squander me, worship me. Usually in our culture, money says, get more of me and you will be happy, right? Get more of me and you will be set. Money says, spend to your heart's delight and desire because you need this. You deserve this. You deserve to be happy. After all, you are special. You are special. You know, these things that money tries to tell you, I hope that you know, at least at some point of your life, that these things are lies. That they're lies because money, it's something that's only temporary, something that's only temporary, and nothing that is temporary, nothing that is temporary can give you permanent or really really even enduring happiness or security. And I think that some have this idea that, that when churches talk about money, what they're trying to do is, is they're trying to get all of your money. You know, some, some will say, you know, churches spend so much time talking about money, or I feel like people are, in churches are just about trying to, to get my money. And we see this played out. I mean, we really do, especially when it comes to, to TV evangelists. Who, who have a bad reputation, and some which I think is probably well-deserved. Uh, you hear stories of poor widows who have given their very last to some TV ministry and, 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 and uh, to preachers who, who live in extravagant homes and, and fly private jets. You might remember an account from just a, a few years ago when televangelist Kenneth Copeland explained to, uh, to the media why he couldn't fly commercial. And I'm sure that if you remember this, you probably felt really sorry for him, um, right? Because he, he said you, you can't, he can't fly commercial because he can't talk to God while he's flying commercial. He, he said, furthermore, that you can't manage that today in this dope-filled world, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons, Right? 
Um, and I don't know who the demons are in the airplane, but I'm assuming it's everyone else with a ticket. And I have to confess, I have never been tempted to, to buy a private jet. I have never been tempted with the allures of what it would be like to have a private jet. Perhaps if I knew how much a private jet would aid in the ministry of Kern Church, I would have to repent of my sarcastic and ungenerous beliefs towards pastors who fly in private jets. Perhaps if I knew how amazing it would be for this church to have a private jet for my sole use, that, that I would really need to repent of, of these opinions. Uh, for some reason, I kind of doubt it, though. I, I just, you, you know, I think it's kind of understandable why many people think that all churches talk about is money and giving money to church, and giving money to ministry. You know, this is one of the reasons for the past three weeks that, that as, as you and I have been talking about money, how we've been talking about the role of money in your life, and saving, and, and spending, and, and in earning it, that, that hardly ever have I even mentioned giving it. In fact, I think last week was the first time that when we were talking about um, spending money, last week was the first time that I even mentioned giving money and the role that giving could have in life. Everything that I've asked you to reflect on over the role over these past few weeks has been about money in your life. Because here's the deal, when it comes to money, it's a thing of the heart. It's a thing of the heart. The focus of these past few weeks and the focus really of today, it's all about the heart. But today, we are going to be talking about giving. And you don't have to worry. I'm not starting a new campaign to launch the private jet fund for, for you know, the right Reverend William Connor, who's most excellent and wonderful in all his ways. Like, I'm not starting this, this fund. And, and in fact, if I did, I'm sure it would be as successful as... Um, me trying to like run a marathon or something. Like, I, it just you know, wouldn't, wouldn't happen. But the founder of the Methodist movement, a guy by the name of, of John Wesley, he taught a lot about money. And over the past few weeks, I, I've been trying to share with you some of the advice that he gave others and, and gave the people called Methodists about the use of money and, and how money should be used in life. And, and really his, his advice and his teaching could be summed up in the often repeated phrase, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Now, most of the world would agree with the first two statements, right? Earn all you can. It's important to earn money. It's important to have a lot of money. It's in, and, and, and save all you can. Surely, most of the world would, would believe in earning money and saving money, but what about, what about giving? What about giving? Why is it important to even talk about giving? Why is it important to even consider giving? Well, the answer, uh, I think the answer to why it's important to talk about giving is because the giving, the talk about giving that, that we have in the church and we have for people of faith comes directly from the teachings of Jesus. It comes from things that Jesus said directly to people. In, in Matthew chapter 6, this is where we're going to be looking and perhaps this is something that's familiar to you. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching people about how to live an abundant life, and how to live a good life. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he said this, Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them, where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, 
There your heart will be also. It's about the heart. And this one statement, I, I think this one statement defines why money and giving is just, is just important. It's important. It's important not because of money. It's important not because God needs your money. It's important because it's a question of your heart. It's a question of your heart. The world's money tries to tell you many things. You know, chase me, hoard me, squander me. But the most dangerous lie out there that the world's money tries to tell you is worship me. Worship me. Money wants and desires to be worshipped. Money in our culture wants and desires to have your soul. It wants and desires to have your whole life. Money desires to be worshipped. And so Jesus continues teaching in this Matthew chapter 6. He teaches in verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other. You will be loyal to one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. I think the, the old King James version of the Bible, which some still read, says you can't serve God and mammon, this, this, this money who is personified and, and wanting your whole being. You see, God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And how you use your money is a direct reflection of where your heart really is. How you, how you use your money is a reflection on whom you really worship. God? Or do you really worship money? Another United Methodist pastor conducted a study of the practice in worship throughout all the Bible. He went to the earliest days in the, in the Old Testament and looked how the, the, the Israelite people, who were God's people, how they worshiped God, and then bringing that forward into the present day to kind of look at a survey of how God's people worship God. He searched every passage of Scripture where people worship God. And in this study, he found something that he commented to himself was quite surprising, and perhaps it's surprising to you. He went on to write that from the earliest biblical times, the primary way that people worship God was not by singing songs or by listening to sermons. You may say amen at that point or uh, you know, it's not by singing songs or, or listening to sermons. The central act of worship was building an altar, was building an offer, altar and offering the fruits of one's labor upon that altar. So the primary act of worship throughout all Scripture is, is building an altar, some type of table, then putting the things that you have created that have, that have been blessed by God on that table, offering them to God. They would burn the sacrifice of an animal or a, a grain as a way of expressing their gratitude, devotion, and desire to honor God. The scent of this offering. I mean, think about... You know, you know, rich, fatty animal meats. As somebody who loves to grill, like I can only imagine what worship would have been like. How amazing. It's like any barbecue restaurant, you know, you're walking into, you're getting hungry. Like, have that in mind. And they don't have freezers to like, you know, make the barbecue and then freeze it and then heat it up in the microwave. It's like fresh, right? And so this, this burnt fat and aroma ascending to God. And, and, and God was pleased with this smell. But here's the thing, God wasn't pleased because he loved the smell of burnt meat and bread. Rather, God saw that people were giving a gift that expressed their love. 
They were giving their heart. They were giving a gift that expressed their love and their faith and their desire to please and to honor God. And this, I think, more than the smell of barbecue, is what pleased and moved the heart of God. I mean, it's all, it's all a heart thing. The heart. It's your heart that is giving. And that is why it's all about worship. Giving is, is about placing and keeping your heart where God desires it. And giving generously is probably the only antidote out there. Giving generously is probably the only antidote out there to selfish greed and the worship of money. So it, since it's about the heart, if you want to worship God instead of money, it's the best place to start, I think, is just to begin with gratitude. To begin with gratitude. The giving, I think, always begins with gratitude. You must let gratitude build up, well up in your heart. Those that worship God by, by, by bringing their steaks and their breads to God, they, they did so out of the gratefulness for what God had done for them. Gratitude is a form of, of worshiping God. You know, focusing on your stuff or your lack thereof, it, it's also a form of worship a form of worshiping material wealth. And, and, and that's why gratitude is so powerful. It breaks the power of negativity and selfishness, and it stops this downward spiral that steals your, your, your heart and, and starts to lift that up to God instead. If you want to focus on the heart and aren't sure how to deal with giving, I just want to invite you to start with the practice of giving thanks. Start with the practice of giving thanks. It can be written you know, a written list of just keeping a, a gratitude journal, perhaps, of saying, you know, I'm thankful for this. Or maybe it's talking with a spouse or, or someone close to you. You know, these are the things that I, I give thanks for. These are the things in my life that I give thanks for. Or maybe you have trouble falling asleep, and so instead of thinking and worrying about the things you have to do, you train your mind to give God thanks, to give thanks for the things that are in life. And so as you drift off to sleep, eventually what you're doing is not worrying but giving thanks. God says, or Paul writes about God in 2 Corinthians, saying that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So the question is, where has God blessed you? Where has God blessed you abundantly? Where has God given you all that you need? And just thank God. Thank, thank God for your job, for your financial provision, for the season, and perhaps you're between jobs, and, and so you thank God some way in the midst of this season of, of figuring things out. Or maybe you thank God for the ways that you love your spouse or your kids or for the joys that you find in singleness or, or you're thanking God for the weather even if it's cold and rainy or the sunshine. Thanking God for what bit of health you may have thanking God for the food that's provided, thanking God that you have a house to clean up because it means that you have a house over your head, and on and on and on, thanking God, building up thankfulness. Because giving and worship begins with gratitude. And if giving and worship begins with gratitude, I want to also say that it is lived out in trust. So the giving and worship begins in gratitude and then is lived out as an act of trust. You know, if some of the most current research regarding, uh, regarding giving is to be believed, people of faith suffer from an immense lack of trust in God. 
people of faith, people that claim faith in Jesus Christ, suffer from an immense lack of trust in God. Many will say that the biblical standard for giving to God is, is giving the tithe, giving to the church, to God, the tithe, which is 10%, 10% of your income. This comes from the Old Testament when God gave his law to, to Moses and was talking about even before you take care of the poor, even before you take care of yourself, God wants God's people to give a tithe, to bring a tithe, the first 10% of the fruit of your labor to God. This is something that's spelled out in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, where we read that a tenth part gifts from the land, all tenth part gifts from the land, whether they're from seed of the ground or from the fruit of the trees, they belong to God. They are holy to the Lord. Before anything else, the biblical kind of like background there is that God has asked his people to entrust to him the first 10% of everything they have. And this is then, the church then picks up on this later on. And there's no way around this. Giving is a major act of trust. It says, God, I trust you more than the balance of my checking account. It's saying, I'm going to, to put you first, Lord, put you first before my needs, and I want to confess that this is also scary. Many Christians say yes to trusting Jesus in every area of their lives, except when it comes to money. Many will say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not yet ready to, to believe that God has, can take care of my finances. And here's the thing, most Christians do not give 10% of their income to God. I say that if that's surprising, but it's not surprising to you. Most Christians do not give a tenth of their income to God. I, I think most people of faith assume that the tithe is a pretty good idea. At least it was a pretty good idea at one point in time. Um, but maybe it's a little more complicated today. But it, it's estimated, according to the most current research, that about 13% of Christians tithe. So about a tenth of Christians give a tenth of their income. A tithe of a tithe of Christians give their tithe. Then if you dig into the data even further and you take the median giving number to the church. So median, if you remember, you know, it takes away those at the high end and those at the low end to try to figure out what's kind of a, the middle ground. Where do most people give? And the median giving for the church, median giving to churches by people of faith is not 10% of income. It's not 5% of income. It's not 2% of income. It's not even 1% of income. It's a half a percent. The median giving of all Christians, when you take out the highest giving and the lowest giving, is just over a half of a percentage point. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of good reasons, or at least a lot of reasons, that a great number of followers of Jesus simply do not trust God with their money. Maybe you have your own reasons. I know I've had my own reasons in the past. I don't know that they've been good reasons, but I've had my reasons. Maybe you don't make that much money, or you think that giving 10% is just going to be too hard after you pay your bills, or maybe you make a lot of money, and you think that giving 2% is just way too much, that I, I can't trust God with, with, with this much money. It's, it's just way too much. I love a, a story that I heard about Peter Marshall. Now, Peter Marshall was a longtime Senate chaplain, 
or chaplain of the U.S. Senate during like the first part of the during like the World War II period, like around the 50s or 40s and then 50s. And, and he shared, uh, he shared, it's reported that he shared this story. I want to confess, this is a great preacher's story. I don't often share preacher's stories. This is a great preacher's story. Uh, but, but Peter Marshall, it's reported to have said that there was a man who struggled to tithe even though he had a large income. So the man said to Marshall, he goes up to the chaplain, he says, you know, I've got a problem. He says, chaplain, I have a problem. I used to tithe regularly some years ago. But now I am earning $500,000 a year, and there's just no way I can afford to give $50,000. To put that into perspective, I did some calculations, or Google did some calculations, and told me that $500,000, when Peter Marshall was Senate chaplain, is worth about $7.5 million today. That's the kind of money that we're talking about. So this guy said, I used to, I didn't make a lot of money before, and, and, and I, I was able to give a tithe, but now I'm talking about tithing on $7.5 million, and that's like $750,000, and I just don't think, that's just too much. I can't really trust God with that. And so Marshall reflected on this man's dilemma. He gave no advice. He simply said, I certainly see your problem. Let's pray about it. Now, when the pastor says, let's pray about it, this is a great idea. So the man agreed, and, and Marshall began praying, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would reduce this man's salary back to the place that he can afford to tithe. Because it's not about money, it's about the heart. And, and Marshall was concerned not about the, the, the three quarters of a million dollars that had been, could be going to this man's church. Instead, he was concerned about this man's heart who couldn't trust God with where he was today. When a follower of Jesus doesn't give back to God, it's like praying, Lord, I trust you as my Lord and Savior, but I, I, just, I just need to keep control of my money. It's one of the most common areas where you try to hold back. However, if you can trust God as your Savior, if you can trust God as your Savior, if you believe that God is good and that God is faithful and that God is true, I want you to know that you can trust God when He says, giving is good. In Malachi, one of the prophets, he says to, to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. Tithing teaches you to prioritize your life around, around God, the one who you really want to worship. And it's an act of trust that builds your faith in God's faithfulness. Remember in all this, God does not need your money, right? God wants your heart, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving begins with gratitude. Gratitude for what God has done for you. Gratitude for how God has blessed you and, and your family. Giving is then lived out in trust. And then giving, and the best part of this, I think, is that giving results in thanksgiving. Giving begins in gratitude, it's lived out as an act of trust, and then it results in thanksgiving. In writing to a church about generous giving, Paul says it best, perhaps, when he's writing to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. 
Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only, isn't only fully meeting their needs, but also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. They will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel, and they will do this because this service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity and sharing with them and everyone. When, when you give, when you live this act of, of trust in giving and generous giving, you are able to receive God's generosity more than ever before, and that produces in you thanksgiving. And then God tells you, that by your example, the way you give and the way you live, not only does it produce thanksgiving in you, but it also can produce thanksgiving in other people. Giving begins with gratitude. It's lived out in trust, and it results in thanksgiving. And I want to tell you, I, 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 want, I want this for you. I want this for you. So, so if you have to, to look at your budget, I want to invite you to do this, to look at your budget. Or look at your bank statement if you don't have a budget. Look at your credit card statement if you spend everything on your credit card and evaluate how much you give as a percentage of your income. How much you give as a percentage of your income. It's, for most people, it's pretty easy to do. If you want to live faithfully in giving and you want to free yourself from the lies, that, the lies of money, you have to be intentional you have to be intentional and have to be serious about how you are giving. So I just want you to, just to figure out how much you are currently giving back to God through the church. Then after this, look at your percentage. What is it? What is it? Is it half a percent? Is it zero? Is it one percent, two percent? Is it ten percent? Is it fifteen percent? Maybe, maybe you've never really started regularly giving to God. I just want to invite you to start here. Start here and, and pick a percentage of your income that God is speaking to you and see what happens. You don't have to start at the tithe. Maybe God has given you to start, to start intentionally giving and, and maybe you need to start at 1%. Maybe you need to start at half a percent before you figure out where your expenses are in life. But whatever you do, do it intentionally as an act of faith of God speaking into your life. And, and there may even be some here that, that are hearing from God that you need to do even more than you are doing today. And if that's the case, I, I suggest that you listen, right? I suggest that you listen. Because what you give and how you give, it matters to God. It matters to God because, because God cares about your heart. God cares about your heart. God wants your heart. And giving is the only way to guard your heart, to guard your heart from greed and the lies of money. In just a moment, we're going to, to pray together, and we're going to pray a prayer of confession. And, and if you've got a blue, blue insert in your bulletin, this will also be online for those that are joining us online. You'll find the prayer of confession. Each week, over these past few weeks, you've received one of these. They're available on our website at kernchurch.org money. These are just spiritual fruit inventory, a way of reflecting on what God may be wanting for you in your life and your heart as it relates to money and really just your heart. And then each day there's also been a prayer. And usually it's been a prayer asking for God's miracles and breakthroughs to happen in your life. But I think this week we're going to pray about confession. Pray a prayer of confession and a prayer of hope. Asking God to really liberate you from whatever strongholds 
of the enemy that are there. Generous and gift-giving God, in your ultimate generosity, you created us in your own image. You created us to join in your generous ways of creating and caring and sharing. Of this creation, you said that it was supremely good. Too often we have preferred our ways to your ways. Too often we have worshipped what is created instead of you, the generous creator. Too often we have loved money more than we have loved others, ourselves, or even you. Forgive us, we pray. Free us to receive your spirit of generosity. Teach us to be generous people. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Dear ones, I want you to know that, that God is a generous God and God is a forgiving God and that God hears your prayers and forgives your sin and seeks to live freely and fully with you. And so today, God invites you to share in this meal of Holy Communion, to receive the presence of God in your life so that your heart will be drawn closer to God and so that you can live out the calling of God in your life of of giving and of serving and of caring for others. On the night in, in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he, he met in a room with other followers of, of, uh, with others of his followers. And, and he was explaining to them that his time with them was short, but yet that he would remain with them in a powerful way. So he took bread, gave thanks to you, God Almighty, broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then when the supper was over, they, Jesus took the cup and He said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me, asking God to bless this cup of salvation. So we now, as God's people here today, we now pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to dwell in this mill as God's Holy Spirit has dwelled in this sacred mill for generations and generations. So it may feed your heart, it may feed your soul. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us, Almighty God, the blood of your covenant, your body and your presence, so that we may feed on your holy presence, Almighty One, and that you may bring each heart close to you so that we may be in ministry to all the world until you come again. We feast finally and ultimately that heavenly table. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Where your heart is, there is your hope. Go forward in the hope and love of God. May your heart be brought close as you live and share in generosity and caring. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And may you just be blessed and see those blessings. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates.
You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.